I believe that the largest tech company ever built in the history of tech companies is going to be in healthcare. If search has Google and e-commerce has Amazon, media has Netflix, social networking has Facebook, what does healthcare have? That's Poonit Singh Sony, founder and CEO of the startup Suki. Poonit's here to talk about how Suki's voice-enabled AI-powered assistant helps physicians streamline their documentation processes and why healthcare is an industry ripe for disruption. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. For more information, visit health.oliverwyman.com and follow us on Twitter at OW Health Editor. I'm Jacqueline DiChiara, editor at Oliver Wyman. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Oliver Wyman Health Podcast. I'm Tom Robinson. I'm a partner in the health and life sciences practice here at Oliver Wyman. Today we're talking about a healthcare future that's less reliant on human power with Poonit Sony, CEO of the San Francisco Bay Area startup Suki. Many healthcare provider organizations are looking for ways to help improve physician satisfaction, which has been seriously eroded with the advent of what people are calling pajama time, when clinicians work after hours making electronic health record notes. They explore using medical assistant and remote scribes. But I want to talk about the idea of delivering products that need minimal intervention from humans where products are delivered thanks to machine learning, artificial intelligence, and technology. Poonit, how does Suki fit into all of this? It sits squarely in the middle of the intersection of all the themes you were talking about. I think that physician burnout is probably the biggest public health crisis that few of us talk about in the market. It doesn't just cause physicians to get frustrated and distract them from what they were trained to do. It leads to patients feeling as if they're being not taken care of. It leads to physicians having to create data that cannot be used in the best possible way, creates inefficiencies in health systems, and all around, across almost every vector of healthcare, is a negative. So solving this problem can create an avenue not just to solve physicians' burnout issue, but also can create a lot of very interesting structured data that you can use to solve many other problems in healthcare. So it's squarely in the middle of all these themes that you were talking about. The idea of building something that requires minimal human intervention is predicated on what exactly are you really providing? What's the role? And a lot of people who try to build artificial intelligence, certainly popular, lower hype, even sometimes if you look at pop culture, they think of AI as something that's a replacement technology. It's going to replace humans in some particular way. The truth is something like artificial intelligence is assistance technology. It complements human beings so that they can focus on doing what they really do well. And so from the perspective of attacking this problem as a digital assistant for doctors, such that they can focus on things they're trained to do, Suki is exactly squarely in the middle of that. Talk to me about how it works. How does it actually help free up physicians from that administrative burden? Absolutely. So if you really think about physicians, if you zoom out a little bit and think about this sector, first of all, imagine a a sector that has ontology of language, all the words that they use that are complex yet constrained. If you think about consumer landscape and you think about Alexa, for example, and think about all the kids screaming words at Alexa, asking it to play their favorite song, the universe of all the possible things that you can tell Alexa is is huge. So they have a very hard problem on their hands. But if you look at the 
universe of all the words that medical ontology has it's a much smaller subset of the universe of all words that can be used so it's a constrained language set and then if you combine that with a doctor who's a super professional or even clinicians in general who are very professional super structured in their thought process and are trained to use voice products pretty much since the time they started practicing and then if you combine that with the fact that they do things in their workflows that are immediately repeatable and happen again and again so constrained universe very sophisticated user who's trained to do the the same workflow again and again and is used to using voice products it's a market or a sector made in heaven for a voice product for something that actually can provide a voice based digital assistance and so keeping that in mind think of us as a Siri or a Google assistant or a Alexa for doctors now there's no hardware involved you can download the app on your phone you can log into the website and then basically you're off to the races and what we do is when we onboard a doctor we will take the last 1000 if we get more patient encounters and feed it into suki and suki will then learn from that what the patterns and uh, common uh, ways in which they address common issues in their workflows and then from there on a doctor can use a mix of commands and dictation to quickly do a note so think about it like you're sitting in front of a patient and uh, the patient says something to you and then you can say something like okay i get it so to summarize uh, suki this is 67 year old who's got hyperkalemia and then you start checking the patient and then you say something like suki i did a normal review of systems suki knows what a review of system means it knows what a normal review of system for you is based on your past patient encounters it generate that and then you say except this person has shortness of breath and then it goes into that and actually toggles those things the plan is typical for what i do for hyperkalemia it knows what a typical plan for you specifically this doctor is will generate that and allow you to very easily and, and informally correct it or adjust it if you need to adjust it and so it's like having a resident in the room and the language that their that the doctors use don't need to be trained because this is how they're trained to talk so you will have a pediatric surgeon who will pop out of uh, the last exam uh, and then say hey for that last patient left knee was normal right knee was normal prepare for an arthroscopic procedure i did a consent and oh by the way this person has a b and c other issues and then taking those five or six lines suki can generate the entire clinical documentation break it apart push it into the underlying emr so that it's all done that is how a suki assists a doctor in quickly doing documentation when i talk to provider systems that are comparing the different solutions that they could employ for reducing physician burnout and particularly with a focus on documentation they tell me that the ai based voice recognition systems aren't ready for prime time i think critics will say that google duplex booking a hair appointment is one thing but understanding the context behind complicated medical terms is another even though i accept what you're saying that there's a narrower set of terms to be trained on Mhm now that makes sense i think this sector is rife with hype and misinterpretation of what's actually possible a lot of the products that you see in the market or at least nominally see in the market tout themselves as ambient ai the idea that you can have a conversation between a doctor and a patient and then automatically generate documentation out of it if i could create a clinical document automatically that's 100% accurate i have effectively replaced the doctor because there is a lot of thought process of the doctor that the doctor does not really articulate that goes 
behind the scenes that they use to actually parse out what the patient has said and be able to summarize it. Said another way, imagine that you go to your doctor and you're talking to your PCP because you have a knee pain and for the first 10 minutes you were discussing your trip to Venice that you took and how interesting it was. How does the AI know what is actually a medical issue and what is actually not relevant to a medical issue? These are the kind of things that doctors have a much better understanding of because even though I may give you a stark example, there are many, many more nuanced places where things that patients say may not have anything to do with where they have come from. So if you think about AI as a doctor replacement, it's nowhere close to prime time. It's going to be many years before in more structured constrained formats, you could use it to do some basic activities. But if you think of it as an assistant, an assistant can be 30% helpful to you, 60% helpful to you, completely helpful to you. Your expectation from the assistant is it will do the best it can given what it has access to. And so this problem of things being ready for prime time or not, it's not a problem of technology. It's a problem of product. If you're selling artificial AI, ambient AI as a doctor replacement, you're not ready for prime time. If you're selling it as an assistant where a doctor will feed in the last thousand patient encounters to Suki and then it'll basically talk to Suki as if it's talking to a resident and say things like, hey, left knee was normal, right? Add in the history that it's a 67 year who's got hyperkalemia. The plan is typical for what I do for this particular procedure. That's the kind of stuff that technology is very good at doing. It's structured, it's command driven. Everywhere around you, people are using Alexa, Siri and Google Assistant and hence they can use Suki too. And we are not in any place that we are deployed in pilots anymore. We are commercially deployed, people pay for us, and we deliver them notes that are 100%. And that 100% accuracy comes from the smarts of the product and the smarts of the doctor working together in this assistant master role that we have actually provided to them. Can you talk about where you're deployed? Yes, of course. So the places that we have announced that we have deployed, we have deployed the second largest health system in the country in Ascension, where we are deployed in many of their ministries and really ramping up across all sorts of specialties. We are deployed in the largest OBGYN practice management system in the country called Unified, which is in Florida, North South Carolina, and the South uh, Eastern Belt. We are also deployed outside of that in about 80 different independent practices across the country, across pediatrics, uh, pediatricians, orthopedics, dermatology, cardiology, PCP, PDROM, ophthalmology, you name it, we are probably deployed across that specialty. Typically these people find us, we give them a two-week free trial if they like it. We also have pilots where people are seeing if it actually works for their system in a couple of other large health systems and they are excited about commercial deployments. How do you compare Suki to, say, deploying remote scribes? It's completely different because remote scribes involves putting some speaker, Google Glass, name the hardware of your choice in a room, and then having a human being in a low-cost location, Philippines, India, somewhere in some other parts of the U.S., where a scribe will basically listen to the audio and then type it into the EMR directly. Now what is happening here is you have hardware deployment and then you're piping all this audio and video to some person in a low-cost location who's typing it directly into the EMR. So first, it's very hard to scale. In my last job, my customer service organization had 5,000 people. 
when you have that many people in your organization you don't do innovation you actually basically just manage people and so if you look at any of these scribing companies they are just labor arbitrage companies and as labor arbitrage companies they are human businesses they cannot scale second issue is that you are actually deploying really expensive hardware breaks i used to run software for motorola in my previous job hardware is really painful to manage inventory scale and deploy so now you have hardware issues you have operational issues and you don't have any software if you compare that with suki we don't need any hardware you can download the app on your phone or your log into your laptop and just start using the product we don't have any human beings behind the scene typing notes into emrs the artificial intelligence job is to understand what the doctor said convert that into text and uh, and then be able to create a note real time as they are talking to suki the notes created real time and when they say i'm done we use apis which is a way to connect our software to emr software and automatically push the notes into the emr so no human involvement outside of machine learn tagging and data tagging and then because we don't have any of these things we tend to be so much cheaper i mean if you are talking about scribes and even companies that call themselves ambient ai and have humans to actually do the notes these companies end up charging anywhere from 2000 3000 per doctor per month why would it cost that much money to create notes unless you were just using humans and if you're just using subscribe business suki is pure software we charge anywhere from 1/5 to 1/10 we don't have really any human beings involved or any hardware involved it's just pure software and for 100% accuracy that you were professing what was the main technological challenge is it one of contextualization of the data or is it the speech to text part in the first place or do you see those interwoven it's interwoven it's a very good question a clinical note is a professional representation of a doctor's thought process a speech to text is primarily the accuracy of whatever you told the system and how much it converted into text so when you say i did a normal review of system in any of these popular speech to text companies around they will type the words i did a normal review of systems when you type say i did a normal review of system to suki suki says review system is a part of a thought process of a doctor's patient interaction a normal review system is default values i know what a normal review system for this doctor is based on the prior notes and i'm going to generate all of that that could be a pretty large body of text that's generated based on that command and so now that automated text that's created is going to be 100% accurate because it's either completely inaccurate in that we just completely missed the command instead of normal review system for some reason it thought it was some other kind of review system or we got it and it's going to be 100% accurate doctors are looking at this real time so when you're looking at the product and you're saying i did a normal review system it generates exactly what the doctor intends to do and just like any command and control system it's entirely possible that once in every 10 20 commands it gets it wrong if it gets it wrong the doctor typically will repeat the command and it will get it right again and so the idea of a digital assistant is not the same thing as the a speech recognition system a speech recognition system is just one piece of technology that's used to build a, a digital assistant the idea of a digital assistant is something that can take the intent of the doctor and create a clinically accurate note out and wherever it make make a mistake because it's entirely possible the doctors at hand to correct it the doctor can give it a different command the doctor can also click in and change a word so the net result of all of this is that a doctor gets a note that takes less time than what they have done and it's 100% accurate
Is that the defense? I think many people would say that's all well and good, but what happens when AI gets it wrong? Like when AI can't interpret emotion, it can't understand the why behind something, just the the what, just the output. I think you're saying it's a little bit like any assistant just will require a view by the doctor. And is that correct? And if so, does that create an ongoing administrative burden that we should expect for the foreseeable future? Well, the burden is there already. If these guys are typing and checking boxes, then the burden is unbelievable. You have taken a very sophisticated class of people and converted them into data clerks. The burden's already there if you're using speech recognition systems because you're literally looking at the words and then correcting them as they're being typed out by the speech recognition system because the natural limit of the prior rules-based systems is like 85, 88%. Now, things are a lot better on speech recognition, especially as we start using deep learning algorithms, you get to a much higher percentage, but the burden has been there. What we are doing is actually completely changing the kind of burden. Instead of them actually having to worry about the actual word being printed and if it's exactly right or not, now they have to just think about what is it that I wanted to say? What exactly was the comment I wanted to make to this assistant of mine? Well, Suki, I did a normal review system. Suki, I did a surgical consent. That is not burden because that's actually a representation of their medical training. This is how they would like to talk to an assistant if they had a human being standing next to them who would actually do their notes for them. And so, first of all, creating emphasis on accuracy by making sure that the doctors can use this system and provide clinical insights is in line with their training, so that's not a burden. The burden is when you're correcting words, when you are checking boxes and typing data that you've already thought about and said once before. That's burden. So that's kind of that comment. I think in general, when it comes to doctors using Suki, what they find is very quickly they become very, very comfortable. They'll be walking from one exam room to the other and they will casually just say, Suki, do this, Suki, do that, change that, order, and it'll basically put it all together. And then over time, because all of this is staged in the EMR and ready for them to sign off whenever they're ready to sign off, they have the ability to quickly take a look at it, make sure everything is accurate and sign off. Now, this sign off has to always be done by the doctor, no matter what technology you use. So we can just leverage that to make sure everything is set up right and then allow them to actually check it once. So it doesn't create any burden, actually it decreases burden dramatically. And wherever they have to do any checks, it's in line with their training. So it's actually fulfilling and much more relaxing than having to do this data entry work. And Poonit, when they're walking from room to room, are they using their phones? Are they using smart speakers? You, you, right. you said there's no technology, is it, it's whatever they choose. Yeah, it's whatever they choose. I mean, I have doctors who use this technology in the room with the patient. They will use their laptops. Sometimes they'll use their desktops. They use their phones. They're talking to the headset. There are others who actually decide that they're going to catch up with everything at the end of the evening. It's completely flexible. One of the key things we learned from this product development process was that this is not a user base that you shoehorn a particular flow or style into. That's actually one of the mistakes that the prior generation of technology, not only in this space, but general healthcare space has made. They think that doctors have to be trained to use it one particular way in one system. Doctors have a lot of styles there. Every doctor is very unique in the way they practice. So what you want to build is something super flexible. You can use a laptop, you can use a phone. 
You can use it with the patient, you can use it between exam rooms, you can use it at the end of the day, you can use it in some trickle mode, whatever you want. So the goal is to make a product that's immediately malleable to a doctor's style of practicing. Punit, have you had big challenges with cybersecurity in terms of getting traction with the big provider systems? How do you address that? No, we don't. I mean, uh, we don't and we do. The challenge is always there because at the end of the day, you have to make sure that this is super secure and that the patient's data is well taken care of and that privacy is paramount. Now, we are obviously HIPAA compliant. We are obviously operating in large health systems where we have gone through very excruciatingly detailed security and privacy checks. So we have the infrastructure put in place to do this and that makes us comfortable to actually keep scaling. So the good news is it doesn't worry me because we are structurally ready and have done this and know how to deal with this. We also have the kind of infrastructure that's in line with a mid-sized enterprise company even though we are a small startup, mostly because we know that this kind of data and security is so paramount. Why is it painful? If I was actually in any other sector, for the amount of product I've built to actually make sure I can deploy in health systems, I would have built five companies. So you end up actually having to expend a lot more resources, which makes it harder for smaller startups to actually do companies in healthcare space. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It's just a necessary cost of operating in the healthcare space that we all have to take on. Exactly. And Punit, with a background that includes Motorola and Google, why exactly did you choose to uh, fight in our sector? I think that there were a few different things that actually were criteria when I was starting to think about what I wanted to do next. I wanted to start a company. I felt like exercising muscles that I hadn't exercised in a long time. Being an exec in large companies is a slightly different skill set. If I was going to start a company, then I wanted to first take a shot at building something where time would be a superpower. If you can actually spend a decade chipping away slowly and steadily, you could build something game-changing, actually almost anywhere, but definitely in healthcare. However, healthcare is not a space where in three, four years, you're going to build something and it's going to be done. So I wanted something where time would become a superpower because if time becomes an asset, that means you need significant resources and network to bear, which means that I would have a chance to build a very successful company. The second ambition I had was a lot of people who start healthcare have like very personal reasons why they actually got into healthcare. I just ambitious. I want to build a very large tech company. I believe that the largest tech company ever built in the history of tech companies is going to be in healthcare. If search has Google and e-commerce has Amazon, media has Netflix, social networking has Facebook, what does healthcare have? We are at the cusp of building, and by we I mean somebody, is going to be building a very, very large health company. This is 20% of US GDP, 5-7% to of the world's GDP. It's indispensable. It's improbable to me that the largest tech company ever built is not going to be in healthcare. And if I had a 0.01% chance that I can take a shot at that, then I want to do that. And that's pretty much the reasons I actually got into healthcare. I wanted to do something that where time would be a superpower, I want to do something where there was a very small, but definitely a non-zero chance that you can build one of the greatest companies ever built. And Punit, so it starts with Suki and it starts with documentation. But if you had all the time, money and resources in the world and you wanted to create this great industry shaking organization, what would be next? You'd have to rethink the entire healthcare tech stack. Now, I'm not a clinical person. So all the work that 
my team and us, we are a bunch of technologists and clinicians working together can do is going to be at this cusp of technology and clinicals and clinician workflow. I think it is possible to rethink the entire healthcare tech stack end to end, starting by clinical documentation. Clinical documentation is an issue where a very important constituency in healthcare doctors is frustrated, which usually means they are ready to try out new technologies if it can ease their burden. It's also a flow in which almost all the data in healthcare is created. So now you have a, a really burnt out constituency that is generating pretty much all the data in healthcare. And we all know that machine learning, deep learning, artificial intelligence technologies, even general SaaS technologies require a lot of data to actually start solving problems. You can solve pretty much every single administrative or healthcare tech stack problem in the market if you actually had access to the data. And so we will start with clinical documentation, but now we are starting to actually take a look at how billing and coding works. We're starting to build something for order entry that might come soon. When you put all of these together, then suddenly you're starting to work across from clinical documentation all the way to enhancing and helping on the other workflows, administrative burdens that people have been talking about. Then there will be a time when we might be able to help with clinical decision support. And if you start going in that direction from there on, it's entirely possible that you can rethink pretty much every single workflow that these doctors touch using technology, leaving the underlying systems in place. Because I do believe the practice of medicine is something that is in the realm of what a doctor is trained and is what they are good at, and they should focus on that. So, Pune, what's something you wish everyone knew about? It's a great question. You know, I believe that the greatest technology company ever built is going to be built in healthcare, and I believe that Sugi has a shot at it. I believe that the starting point of anything built in this space is going to be at the cusp of a powerful, important constituency like doctors and a burnout issue, which they are actually facing. I believe doctor burnout is probably one of the largest, most significant public health crisis that we don't talk enough about. Suki today is commercially deployed across large and small health systems across the country, and it's already saving doctors 50 to 70% of all time that they have taken on documentation, no matter what solution they were using before. And not only that, we have actually started to show that there is about a 20% decline in claims denials because the notes that the doctors are creating using Suki are already of much higher quality and more accurately representative of what the patient encounter was. And so this cusp of having doctors become much more happier because they are able to practice what they were trained to do while making sure that the quality of data is good so that the systems can create the right kind of value out of it is where I think that one of the biggest, most interesting tech companies ever built is going to be built. Thank you very much, Pune. Thanks for joining us on the Oliver Wyman Health Podcast. I wish you uh, all the very best. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure uh, and I appreciate all the thoughtful questions. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. For more information, visit health.oliverwyman.com and follow us on Twitter at OWHealthEditor. For podcast updates, subscribe so you're notified when a new episode goes live or tell Alexa, play Oliver Wyman Podcast to hear our latest show on your device. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.